Welcome to another episode of the Closing Time Podcast. I am Joe McGuire. I have a very special guest here in studio. Uh, he's a friend of mine. We're in a networking group together, and I do want to talk about that in a little bit because of all the people in that networking group, you were the only name I knew. And we hadn't met, but I just knew you based on reputation. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Homes, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you were a contractor before you became an inspector. So I, started, I started becoming a contractor in 2003 when I got laid off from the Aetna. One of my friends asked me to paint his house, so I started painting his house. And then I said, no, oh, this isn't too bad. And somebody asked me for doing something else. I said, well, I, I better make it a legit company. So we formed B. Flanagan's Home Fixes at the time, got my license. And then at, after several years of doing that, my wife's a real estate broker. And she says, why don't you become a home inspector? Something like a pretty good gig. And I'm thinking, well, that might be a good thing for retirement because it's a lot easier than home improvement, which was starting to beat me up. Yeah. You know, as you get a little bit older, it's easier now just to go in and nitpick other people's work. And not really. I'm nitpick. just joking. <laughs> not nitpick. I'm just, trying, I'm just trying to find the hidden surprises so they don't wind up saying, oh, my God, why did I buy this for? I think as most people know right now, because of the pandemic with the housing shortage, uh, which I think is starting to, to lighten up a little bit. We've seen a lot of people were selling homes as is, which puts a buyer in that situation of you could pay for a home inspection. You're not getting any, you're not getting anything off the price. So some people were just like, nah, I don't even need one or even worse. They would get one. And that was pretty much it. They didn't even want to know what the results were. Uh, some people are just asking, well, should I actually buy this house? So they have me, I had a few clients who asked me just to do a walkthrough before they even put an offer in. So it was no written report, no pictures, no anything. Just see what you can see inside the house. Like, is the boiler all right? Is the electricity look okay? Is there any other little surprises that they might want to know about? I've done a few of those. I particularly don't like them because I think it's really degrading what the home inspection is. But times changed a little bit, so you have to go with the flow at the time. I was working uh, with a guy a little bit uh, about a year ago who does uh, home inspections for the seller for when you decide to list your home that he'll come over and he'll basically tell you what the buyer's home inspector is going to tell you. That way you can get a jump on it now. I've done those also where you can go in and take a look. And then once again, some people don't want to report. They just take a few notes. And then they go off and fix those items before they get surprised. Like, oh, we got three windows that have fog con condensation between whether or not efficient anymore. So they might get dinged on that. Or maybe they have a bunch of double taps in their circuits because somebody decided to become an electrician who wasn't qualified. Well, you reminded me of one of my favorite stories. One of the first stories I, I know I told you we were doing a home inspection and the, the guy that owned the home, the seller, uh, and I was representing the buyers, he uh, was an electrician. And on his van, 30 years experience, the whole nine, right? It's uh, And the home inspector was looking at the electrical box, and he said, these are not grounded properly. As a matter of fact, this whole thing is done wrong. And I was like, oh, my, the guy's an electrician. He's been one for 30 years. And he went, not a good one. Well, there's a lot of electricians. There's some electricians who are like, they do mostly uh, commercial wiring. And then they don't pay attention to the details, what's needed for a home where they want this grounded this way. They need, uh, they don't, they're trying to get away from the old knob and tube wiring. 
trying to upgrade that. And some guys just don't understand that it's done differently than in the factory setting. Let me ask you this uh, with a client. What's your ideal home inspection? Obviously it's a home inspection where the client walks through with you, right? And you can give them a report at the end or a detailed report. What What's in your report um, that, people shouldn't like a client would really want to like pay attention to, because I know they get these reports and I, I feel like they look at like the summary page. Well, the summary page is the most important and it shouldn't be buried with inside the report. My reports, the first thing out is a summary page, which has what the defects might be and what kind of remedies can be handled for it. As if you have a double tap circuit in the panel, you're going to say call an electrician, have them uh, repair that double tap. Or if there's, uh, another another one I see a lot is reversed wiring on the outlet where I put my tester in and it's backwards. And some people say, oh, yeah, but the lights work and everything works fine. But one of my first inspections was for a guy that was uh, a cable guy and he's hooking up a $5,000 TV and stereo system and all the bells and whistles back in, well, seven years ago. Well, when he turned it on, it went puff. The guy freaked out and goes, well, who's going to pay for that? He says, stuffed his test in the wall. I said, you should have had some electrician straighten out the wiring. I'm not here to do your wiring. I'm here to install your media system. I can't see messing with, like electrical is one of the few things where if I have an electrical problem, I call a professional. I'm not doing that myself. And, and it's one of those things where, I wouldn't even call like my buddy that knows it like that's because I got buddies that come over and do a lot of stuff for me because I'm, I'm not the hand. I try, but I suck at stuff, but elect, electrical work. I can't, I don't want to mess with that. Cause that, I mean, I could, it, it could be deadly. It could be deadly. A lot of people say it's only 110, but it's the amperage. And if I, I was, when I was doing home improvement, I thought somebody wired something right. And I didn't turn the power off and the switch should have been dead, but they hooked it up backwards. I got whacked and I actually felt sick all day because it actually made my heart skip. Oh, so electricity geez. is nothing to take lightly. It it can kill you. It's yeah. no fun. I'm telling you, my uh, so in my household, here's basically what happens is something goes wrong, something needs to be repaired, and my wife says, Hey, can you can you give it a shot? Sure. And I do it. And if it's if it's if it's presentable it'll it'll stand if not then we hire a profession but again when it comes to electrical that's i'm not messing with that i i've had i've lived here for uh about 10 years i have a pool okay i just finally learned via youtube how to actually operate the filter properly <laughs> i have been calling pool guys apparently they're super busy all the time um I had to do it myself. Again, it's one of those things where like I go on YouTube, I'm watching some guy and it's like, oh, OK, doable. Again, at the same time, if it was like you got to rewire all, I would not touch that. That that's just to me is that's that's a little too out of my element. Yeah, it's best always to call a qual qualified person. If it's wired wrong, you don't want to overload a circuit then have a fire inside your panel or not being grounded properly around a pool, which they call bonding, where it's got to be bonded back to the panel so that when if something goes wrong with the filter, you don't let you keep the people in the pool. Yeah. Yeah, that would be bad. That's <laughs> uh, that's a good way to ruin a pool party. 
I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, you're, you're, you're big, big points here, right? Uh, boiler typically is one. That's, that's like the big one, the roof number right. two. Um, electrical, electrical there. obviously is right up there. Hot water tanks, always a good one. Um, when you're doing a home inspection, if there is a boiler and you see that it's it's functioning, it's still in pretty good shape, but you know, you're gonna want to think about five, ten years from now, this thing's probably not still gonna be here. What I usually say when I look at a boiler, you see if there's any service tax, see if you can figure out what the age is. Yep. Everything has a life expectancy, depends what it is. In an inspection, if you see it's 30 years old. I'm going to advise the client that it's getting towards the end of life that they might have to budget for it in the future. I love that. Yeah. See, that's important to me. And again, as, as, as the official home inspector of me, of the closing time podcast in my clients, that means a lot to me because again, right. It's that idea of like, does that thing work? Yes, it does check. Right. I think, and, and, and for me, one of the, the, the top things I deal with with my clients is Brian, when they come in, or we're getting right. We set up a home inspection. They think of this as like a pass fail situation. And I'm like, it's not, it's not really how it is. It's more of a, how much can you tolerate being wrong with a place before you decide to pull out? Yeah. It's, you just want to weigh what, what your expenses are going to be in the future. Can you absorb it or not? Uh, but if you're buying a home, some people think it's like a, a right for a checklist that you want to make it to be a brand new home. It's not, you're buying a used home. It's like buying a used car. Everything's going to have a end point, but can you satisfy and survive through that point? You just don't want to find out that the roof was fixed by somebody, but then it's leaking like a, like a sieve. And yeah. You, then you have water damage and then you have wood rot and mold and all those other things. You want to know that the roof looks pretty decent. I've been on some roofs where it's like, I don't know how they didn't leak. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so here where I live in Weathersfield, um, and there's a whole couple of streets about a mile from here, and most of them have slate roofs. Oh, slate roofs. Slate roofs. There's a couple different types of slate roofs. There's one that's uh, from Pennsylvania. They call it Pennsylvania slate. And it's usually good for about 50 years if you start seeing it where it looks a little white and chalky. The slates are getting to their end. Then there's the Vermont slate, which is much better. And some of that stuff, I've been on a house where it was 135 years old still. Wow. And uh, But slate roofs are very expensive to repair. Yeah. And um, and there is a little maintenance to them. Uh, a slate roof would probably cost you in an average house probably like thirty or $40,000 to put one on now versus maybe seven or eight for an asphalt. Yeah, we uh, uh, I have some clients and and uh, my client's a very handy guy and and I'm I'm certain he could have handled it. But um, at the end of the day, uh, as he and his wife discussed it, it was like, that's a thing needs more than just the, a new slate roof, too. It's going to get pricey fast and and uh, decided against it. But yeah, that that's that's stuck out in my head for a long time. Because not a lot of people are very familiar with slate roofs. So you don't really see them as much anymore. Uh, there's very few people who maintain them. There's a company out in the uh, New Canaan area. But every every time he comes to our uh, 
association gives a talk either on slate roofs or asphalt or metal roofs. It's amazing at what the cost factors of it. And people don't realize what it's going to cost. You just got me thinking of something else because I've now seen one of these officially and it's a big problem here in Connecticut. And we've been hearing a lot about it the last couple of years. Um, and I've seen houses that have a foundation that's a little chipped or a little bit cracked. And people are like, is this one of those crumbling foundations? And I had talked to somebody and they were like, when you see one of the crumbling foundations, you'll know you'll know it's one of these crumbling foundations. Have you come across these and are they is it as bad as it sounds? Uh, I will advise somebody it may look like it because it has a spider cracks. I'm not a structural engineer, so I won't say definitely is or not. But when you do see it, it is uh, very recognizable because it has spider cracks and it's real bad. Then it starts getting quarter inch gaps, half inch gaps. But uh, even if you have a core test, oh, it might be fine in one area, but you still might have in another. They're also finding that the uh, the mineral can be in the aggregate, but it's already expanded, and it might show up that it's there, but it may never expand and crack the foundation. Interesting. So, but there's a whole. It's uh, really heavy out around Ellington, out Manchester, out that way, but they're finding it over in Burlington and other towns. So mm -hmm. it's becoming a, a problem, and even some of the municipalities have some issues with some of their schools and once they found it in the schools then they started changing how they're gonna repair it or how they're gonna fund it once once the government <laughs> has it it changes the ball game instead of it's out of your pocket now it's like uh, there's a couple coalitions where people are trying to get money in my old neighborhood there was like seven or eight condo buildings lifted Speaking of condos, I'm just thinking about uh, what just recently happened down in Florida, uh, where that complex collapsed inside of itself. And yeah, I mean, I've read a whole bunch about it. And I know, you know, they've known for at least a decade that they needed to make major repairs to that place. And the only reason they didn't was because... Um, like the HOA, they were, they need, they need, I think they raised $830,000 between them and they needed like $10 million to do all the repairs. Oh boy. So they pushed it off for the time being. And by the time, I mean, they got to like 1.2 million and they were like, how much is it again? And they were like 15 million. Like the price just kept going up. Uh, and that was a big part of the reason. And I, and I, I remember thinking after that happened, those condos have been getting sold i would assume I, I you know what i mean like i'm sure there were people inspecting those units in those buildings but if you do an inspection such as that the a home inspector is not going to inspect the building and say that it's failing unless you see something pulling away you might advise it. oh there's something somebody should take a look at yeah but they're not in there to look at the building as a whole they're only kind of concentrating on that particular unit if it's functioning the way it should be. Um, like when I do a condo inspection, I look at the outside and I might advise them, yeah, the roof is on the older side. You might get tacked down with an assessment down the road. Right. Well, one particular person was looking at a condo and before they got to the closing, yes, there was an assessment and now it pushed her out of her magic window for her mortgage. It was going to increase Ooh. her. It was going to increase her beyond what her lending rate 
loans. So she opted out not to buy the condo. Wow. Yeah, that's uh that's a problem. When when I was growing up, I um my dad didn't show me how to do stuff. My dad didn't teach me like how to work on the mechanicals. And and really the only reason I even kind of know stuff at all is literally from home inspectors. Literally from having conversations with people who um because that's really my closest access to an actual builder contractor you know what i mean like yeah, i don't uh and and i mean just like i find like i walked around now like i know what i know what termite nests look like you know what i mean i know the evidence of termites i would have never known that kind of stuff before and that's why i think it's again it's so important to have a home inspector who like really knows their stuff yeah i like to have the uh the agent walk with me and also the buyer because i talk the whole entire time and i I'm always giving a little education class and I ask the agent, have you ever seen this or you know what about this? Like one of the big things is the Federal Pacific Electrical Panels that they had during the 50s and 60s where they falsify the UI reports and there was problems with the breakers overheating and house fires. When you see one of those panels, it's like an automatic, it's got to be changed. There's no two buts about it because you won't get insurance coverage. And it's the panel is it's very distinctive, got little red breakers. They also pinstripe around all the breakers, and it usually says Federal Pacific in it, or it's on the breakers. And some some agents, when they get into it, they just don't know those things. So yeah. I like to educate them, and it's and everybody learns something every day. I like that. I was a history major in college, so I like I love to I like to know stuff. I like to know stuff about stuff from before, especially. I'll I'll really enjoy that. I would really enjoy that. I would. That's that's my kind of home inspection. And I it's you know, I, I always go to my my home inspections. I've had clients who are like, hey, I'm not going to make the home inspection. And, I, and I'll go because I feel like at least I can relay as much of what I remember to them. Probably the most important thing, right? Like that water shutoff switch, the main water shutoff switch. That's something you're going to point out to them. And they're definitely going to want to know that because at like three o'clock in the morning when that happens, they're going to want to know where it is. You want to know where to shut it off and when you need to. In my reports, I always put little helpful hints at the end. But in the report, I always say, here's the main shutoff. Here's the main breaker. And then I always have the, the tips at the end, like uh, make sure you clean your, your boiler every year. Have it serviced. Have your AC serviced once a year. Make sure you change your air filters if you have a hot air furnace or an AC system. Turn off the outside water spigot so they don't freeze up and then have a, a water break and then start causing flooding in your basement. Uh, some people never owned a home, so they, oh, I need to know all these little things. Like, where is it buried underneath the insulation that shut off valve the outside? Oh, yeah. Water spigot. So I try to find all those and point them out, and it's also part of my report. I love that, Brian. That makes me very happy. I feel like I feel like this this is gonna work out well. I'm excited for my clients because again, you know, uh, when when I joined that group and I was like, oh, I know this guy. I've heard of this guy before. Good reputation, and and now that I've gotten a chance to know you a little bit, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, my clients having somebody like you. Uh, you know, look out for him. Look out for him. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. See, you're even looking out for me with words. That's how great you are. Uh, Shamrock Home Inspections, CT.com is your website. Um, how business, I assume, has been really good for you. I feel like you're always doing home inspections. Is, do you, uh, is there days and times you do, don't do, nights, weekends? What's your deal? I don't do weekends at this point. 
but I do inspections. I usually tell my clients when they call, I do morning or afternoon, yeah. but I will make it any time during the day. Like uh, when the whole pandemic got started, I was having some clients down in the Bridgeport area. They were having trouble finding people to come out at four, four o'clock, five o'clock. I was going on to Bridgeport and Norwalk at five 30 to start an inspection because people were getting back into work. They didn't want to take time off of work. So we made it late in the afternoon. So they only had to scoot out maybe in an hour early. Yeah. So I was being flexible in that. So I decide I'm not going to do weekends. Uh, well, you know, no. the thing, too, is is uh, the agent also doesn't want to do weekends. And I think if a client really thought about it, they don't want to spend their Saturday doing a home inspection. It's not fun. It's not a fun thing, right? No, it's one of those things you have to do. You want yeah. to learn about like those. We might enjoy it. They're not going to love it. But uh, like you were saying, where you go to your inspections, I even like in one of the uh, seller's agents there. I was on one inspection and the buyer's agent couldn't be there because he was down in Norwalk and the house is being purchased in London because I was a friend of theirs. And the buyer's agent showed up. And after I got done, by the end of the following week, she already called me up to do a couple inspections for her. Yeah. So it's always an opportunity to educate somebody else. Yeah, it's great. I, that's a big thing for me is I, you know, I feel like the, the way things have gone the last four or five years in this business with mortgages and just all, all the different changes, uh, you know, to buying a home. I hate when like my clients would be like, this is a stupid question. I'm like, no, nah, nah, there, there's no stupid questions. I mean, you know, might not be the smartest question or there's no dumb ones. If you don't know something, it's, I think, just inherently a good question. Right. There is no stupid question unless they ask the same question three times within a half an hour. That's a stupid <laughs> question. But but every question has 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 its value. Uh, last night I was doing a conspiracy theory show. We were talking about the Mandela effect. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about the Mandela effect, but basically no, your brain, um, you you think you know stuff. Um, and and when you don't know stuff, basically your brain just fills in the gaps with whatever, whatever. And that just becomes what you think something is until you find out otherwise. It's it's a it's a it's weird the way the brain the brain works uh on people where where when we have deficiencies, again, rather than ask and learn, we just like to know oh, it's probably just this. And then you talk to somebody and you find out. Not even close. <laughs> yeah. Story. Right. Like now the moon's not made of cheese. Where did you get that? It looks like cheese. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's great. Uh, Brian, I, re I really appreciate uh, you coming on here um, and, and, and talking about home inspections because they, they really are so important. And I think especially now, and I would say to anybody, even if the house is sold as is, you're crazy not to have somebody at least walk through this thing with you. Um, it's a huge investment. You know, you wouldn't buy a you wouldn't buy a Ferrari and not take it out for a test drive. No, you wouldn't. Oh, like you're saying, um, I even had one one inspection did just recently. The fellow was a home improvement guy himself. And he said, "Well, why don't you do your own?" She says, "Because I don't know what I'm looking for. The, these guys know what they're looking for. They see things. Things are hidden a little bit different. They you get a knack for it. You understand it. You look at it." You can see things quicker. And being a home improvement guy, you might think everything looks good, but then there might be something that he may have missed. So he wanted to have somebody else look at it, not himself. Yeah, I like that. I mean, again, I think it's hard to be objective about your own work. 
You know, you think everything you do, at least most people think everything they do is pretty amazing. You know, to have to look back on it and be like, well, I don't know, was it? Maybe it wasn't that great. And that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. I, well, what I find with myself now is my home inspections have changed because, yes, I was a home improvement person for 18 years, 20 years, what it's been now. But in the last couple of years, I'm building my own home. So I, as a, through the process, I wound up doing my own plumbing, electrical, heating, kitchens, bathrooms, flooring, and everything, which I knew how to do most of it. But then I, I had to go through the building department, pull the permits, go through their inspections, and make sure you do things proper all the way around. Yep. As I went through that, yeah, it was easy for me because I understood the whole process of everything. But then now it's given me a whole nother outlook on things because I've had to go through those inspections and make sure that you dot your I's and cross your T's. Um, I had an experience uh, once where uh, it was working with a, a program in Hartford, uh, like an assistance program to help people for home ownership in Hartford. And the entire process literally start to finish from the acceptance of the contract to the execution was 363 days. That's a long time. It would have been about three months earlier, except as you just mentioned with the dotting of the I's and the crossing of the T's, there was some sort of typo. And it was one of those big banks that people hate. And they were like, hey, uh, we had to reject this. Uh, we're going to run it back through and uh, we'll send you a new date. And that date ended up being three months later. That's a long time. For a typo. For what was possibly the, I mean, that was the longest uh, process I've been through. But again, it's attention to detail, whether it's in paperwork, which is what I got to do, whether it's in, you know, uh, 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 inspecting a home and, and making sure that you don't miss anything. I uh, I had a client who uh, brought their home, own home inspector uh, on the home inspection and uh, seemed like a super nice guy. And uh, they were there for about three days when the dishwasher just started spitting water out. And they were like really livid about it. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you there. Like things happen. Things happen. Yeah. I, I'd been on one inspection. Everything was fine. The house sat. And then something with the plumbing, it was on its last leg. It was in the wall. It couldn't see it. Yeah. And lo and behold, it popped. Yeah. You can't tell what a pipe's about to burst. There's no way to know that. I, a matter of fact, I just snaked my bathroom sink in my bedroom the other night. And um, this pipe, it, it, the house was built in 73. Obviously, it's all the original piping. I put the snake down, and as it got to the turn, the trap. it went yeah, it went right through the bottom of the pipe. Oh, that must have been a brass trap, and it was corroded. Yeah. And when it, when it, if you look at it, that the pipe will look a little white, a little bit of bumpy, a little bit of chalky on the outside. Yeah. Good sign it's going to break. I I thought to myself, I can't even believe that just happened. Uh, that's my luck. So, of course, it did. But like you said, I, I when I detached it and I looked at it, I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm kind of glad I'm not drinking water out of this, first of all, <laughs> anymore. That's probably not – that wasn't good. Uh, but, yeah, I could see – I mean, and again, it just kind of goes to show where – that, that thing needed to be tapped and it was about to crack open. And so, you know, 
things are in walls. That's a, that's an issue. And things are in attics and things are underground. And if you're not at least having someone look for the signs, I think you're really, uh, I think you're really asking for it. Flying blind. Yeah. Not a good idea. You got to get a home inspection again, even if it's one of those as is situations, you know, the best part of the home inspection is if you don't like the results again, not a pass fail per se, but if you're not satisfied with it, you just have to say, yeah, I don't want to buy this. Unsatisfactory. Unsatisfactory. <laughs> Moving on. Give me my deposit back. So uh, that's the way you got to play that. And uh, yeah, Brian, this is uh, this has been great. We're going to have to have you back next time we have you back. I think we're just going to get into horror stories. Oh, there's always one of those. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I've had some uh, adventures on home inspections in my time. Um, and I'd love to d- deep dive. Maybe we could see who has the craziest story. Um, Shamrock Home Inspections CT.com. That is Brian's website. Uh, we will post that here on the screen. Uh, you can also find it on our website, which you should check out clovercrestmedia.com backslash closing time podcast. Uh, you can also give Brian a call. We'll put your number on the screen, 860-268-2566. This guy's uh, a really good home inspector and a really good person and a lot of fun. Uh, the night at the brewery, you, you're uh, you're you're quite a storyteller, too. Uh, I like to talk. Yeah, you do. <laughs> that's great. I'm telling you, there's nothing worse than being at a home inspection where the guy doesn't talk. Well, that's those guys get focused. They don't want to say anything, and they just want to. Bing and the bing, boom, booming out. And are you getting your money's worth? I don't know. I don't feel like you are. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like to educate. I like to talk. People ask questions, tell a little story. Sometimes you tell some personal things about what you've gone through with your sure. own home. Yeah. And then everybody feels good after, at the end. Sometimes when a home inspector gives me a humbling experience he's had, it makes me feel like less of an idiot. And I know it does that for my client as well. Like if this guy didn't know it, then... I'm all right. That kind of a thing, you know, Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Homes, a licensed home inspector. He's also a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. So this guy really knows his stuff. As I said, great reputation and and really excited to have you be uh, in my buyer's network. I think it's going to be very good for them. Again, clovercrestmedia.com backslash the closing time podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media, like the Facebook page, Twitter and all that. That's going to do it for me. I am Joe Aguirre. Once again, thank you to Brian Flanagan. We'll catch you next week at another Closing Time Podcast. Mm-hmm.